I'm Debbie James Young, and all my friends are in bar bands. 2016, huh? Fucking hell, what an absolutely crazy year for for everyone, really. But um, I I wanted to take this time to thank you all so, so, so much for making this podcast what it is, and for listening and supporting, whether that be by sharing it with your friends or financially through the Patreon. Uh, however you uh, get this podcast's word out there, I appreciate it so, so, so much. This year has just been huge for the podcast. We've had a bunch of incredible international guests, uh, some really wonderful local artists as well, of course. I've recorded in Sydney and in Melbourne and in Wollongong and Newcastle and wherever the hell else. It's it's been really, really fun to uh, get to the bottom of people's stories and to share those with you. It's it's been a huge, huge year. I'm I'm absolutely exhausted by it, but I'm also so so inspired to continue uh, into next year and however long people will put up with talking to me. So uh, just before we get into this week's episode, I just episodes I should say. I just wanted to say thank you so 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 much for for being here and uh, supporting this podcast in any way, shape, or form. We got two episodes today, and you are listening to either Sleep Makes Waves or Pup. Sleep Makes Waves are a fantastic instrumental post-rock band from Sydney. Uh, if you're into that kind of music, you have 110% seen them around and probably been blown away by their live show. They are unlike any other band in the country. I just think they are absolutely exceptional. I'm I'm always just so, so in awe of their abilities and uh, just the passion and intensity that they're able to get across. They did a national tour back in August, and uh, I spoke to them while... I spoke to Alex, the bass player, and Otto, one of the two guitarists in the band, uh, while they were here in Wollongong on a national tour with the contortionist and Tangled Thoughts of Leaving. This is a fun one. Um, Yeah, we had a chat uh, around the back of the University of Wollongong, uh, I will note that about halfway through we changed locations because a cleaner came through. So uh, you will notice a, uh, a slight change in quality. You can still hear you can still hear all three of us, but uh, at the same time, yeah, I just did want to quickly mention that you probably won't even notice. But uh, yeah, that comes up about halfway through. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's a very lengthy chat, um, it was really fun, and, uh, very, very appreciative of Alex and Otto's time for that. Pup, on the other hand, are a band from Canada, uh, from Toronto specifically. I spoke with Steve, their guitarist, and Zach, their drummer. Uh, you've probably seen their name around a fair bit this year due to the success of their second album, The Dream Is Over. They undertook a sold-out national tour of Australia back in October, and this was recorded uh, at Grilled, actually, uh, just in Darlinghurst, before we went in and 
uh, rocked the house for a sold-out show at the Oxford Art Factory with previous guests of the show and lifetime friends of the show, Oslo. We only had a little bit of time in comparison, but uh, I really, really enjoyed chatting to these guys, the first ever Canadians to be on the podcast, and they were as nice as you would expect a Canadian to be. (laughs) Um, Yeah, just really, really lovely people, really genuine people, uh, just great stories from all across the world and uh, from their native land as well. So Sleep Makes Waves and Pop are the two final guests, two final episodes for 2016. Going to be taking a quick break, but uh, I also want to let you know that Once you have heard these episodes, uh, you will be able to start voting for your favorite episodes of 2016. If you would like to do that right now, you can head over to polldaddy.com slash poll slash 9617140. You can vote as many times as you like, and you can vote for as many artists as you want. There are a lot of really, really cool people that we spoke to this year. Courtney Barnett, uh, Bad Dreams, The Sword, Chris Farron, Jeff Rosenstock, Modern Baseball, The Gooch Palms, Tired Lion, DZ Death Rays, Basement, Clowns, Drowning Pool. That's a thing that happened. And there's plenty more where that came from. So if That is of interest. Uh, We'll be compiling a top 10 uh, most popular episodes uh, just before we come back for the new year in 2017. So if you would like to vote, I'll be sharing this on the Facebook page as well. But if you would like to vote for your favorite episodes of the year, head over to polldaddy, P-O-L-L-D-A-D-D-Y dot com slash poll slash nine six one seven one four zero. And we will take it from there. Alright, well, let's get into it. Sleep Makes Waves and Pop. Closing out all my friends who are in bar bands for 2016. Thank you so much. I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in bar bands. Today, I'd like to introduce you to my friends, Pop. Hi. Hi. How you doing, Bud? Good. Good. Introduce yourselves. I'm Steve. I play guitar and also sing. I'm Zach. I play drums and also sing. It is Tuesday. Is it Tuesday or is it Wednesday? I think it like is it's Tuesday. Tuesday. Good it God. Tuesday. Oh, man. The yeah. club is going up on a Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> way up. Way up. Way, 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 way up. Way up. up. <laughs> You know it. Uh, we are in Sydney, uh, Papa, in the midst of a Australian tour, your second Australian tour and first headlining tour. Yeah. Yeah. How's it all been going so far? Uh, yeah. Lovely. Yeah. It's always nice to be uh, in Australia. We didn't uh, know what to expect the first time we came, and it was amazing, and yeah. we didn't know what to expect this time, and it's been amazing as yeah. far we, uh, we met uh, on that last uh, tour uh, with... Uh, Previous guests of the show, Bateman's um, Bay, in, in Bateman's Bay, New yes. South Wales, Australia, yeah. which is where I recorded the episode with the uh, previous guest of the show, Will Wagner. Will uh, Wagner. Will Wagner. Will. Will. 
<laughs> well, <Love> it. <laughs> uh, oh, salt of the earth. Oh. Yeah. yeah, I love it. It's great. Uh, salt of I the mean, earth. He loves that. Oh yeah, well, obviously, well, obviously. Yeah, salt lovely. of the earth, human, friend lovely. of the show, previous yeah. guest. Uh, but not uh, was going surprisingly well up until uh, the Smith Street actually played, and then things just went to shit. Yeah, that was yeah, a weird night. Nice. Yeah, that was a uh, that's an all time story. I think there's a guy trying to let air out of the tires or of their even camper. Yeah, yeah. I remember that because I saw him like hunched over it, and I thought, "Oh God, he's he's about to you know fucking slash the tires or whatever." Yeah. And so like I fucking you know raise the alarm, and then we all run over. But he doesn't have a knife, or he doesn't have any any sharp tools or anything. He has his dick out, and he is mm. wanking onto the tires. What is that? See do? now if oh, that if that in itself isn't a uh, uh, p what is it. PSD public service PSA PSA yes uh, PSA to public display, display of affection that was the other thing for himself <laughs> yeah no if that isn't a PSA to not do speed yeah <laughs> I think that's fair then I don't know what is yeah uh, he almost got in a fight too he, he almost tried to fight Cal- Calvin. Yeah. yeah, who's the nicest person on the fucking planet? Yeah, that's the, crazy. Yeah, you know you piss someone off when he has got his tempers flared up. But I mean, the dumber thing is that he was doing that because we wouldn't let him help us carry our gear. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. That's why he got mad in the first place. He wanted, he thought having a, a ticket bot entitled him to help and th- uh, load gear out. There, there are layers of stupidity to that person. I don't know oh, who he is, but if he somehow hears this, I hope he knows that he's a gigantic moron. Fuck that. Guy. <laughs> he like he chose the like he wasn't going to slash the tires. He chose the dumbest way to let yeah, her, yeah, yeah. and the slowest way. So, <laughs> he's an idiot. The strangest, strangest way. Yeah, that was a that was quite a tour. That one yeah, wasn't it, was it though. That yeah. was a remarkable tour, full of uh, various friends of the show and previous guests of the podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, how did that all come about? Like, uh, how did you get the uh, connection with Smith Street to begin with? We were drunk in a field in Belgium. Of yeah. course. As yeah. That's where all good stories start. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we were playing Gros Rock, I think, for the first time, which is a really great, like, kind of punk and, and heavy music festival uh-huh. in, like, the middle of nowhere in Belgium. And they were hanging out, I think, were they maybe on tour with someone who was playing maybe off with their heads yeah. or maybe oh, sure, yeah. or maybe the front bottoms or something. I don't remember who they were on tour with but uh, we were all hanging out at Gros Rock and just getting like smashed on cherry beer and yeah they uh, they were like you guys should come to Australia we should like plan it and you know it yes. just at that point <laughs> we were like yeah that's cool but it felt like all we were doing was just like getting drunk and talking shit <laughs> and then like uh, you know a year and a half or two years later we were getting on a plane to go to Australia to play 26 or however many shows we played. Like, yeah, they fucking threw you guys in the deep end, didn't they? Yeah, it was awesome. It was I sweet. mean, that's how we've always kind of liked to tour anyway. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Wasn't it like two, three hundred shows you guys did on the back of the last record? Something like that. Yeah. I think we did two hundred or two fifty in a year. Yeah, yeah. two hundred the next year or something. It that was is- it was dumb. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> almost as dumb as this hundred uh, day tour. Yeah, like, it's, yeah. yeah, you just thought we learned our lesson, but yeah, we right? are total glutton for punishment, right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so I begin these uh, by uh, kind of tracing back the initial interest in music, uh, specifically uh, where it transitioned from being something that you were kind of I don't know watching on TV or listening to on the radio or, or whatever to being something that you wanted to do, like you wanted to pursue. Uh, being a musician in some way, shape, or form. Uh, Steve, we'll start with you. Uh, just kind of uh, tell us about your upbringing and how 
music kind of affected into it. I, none of my family is too musical. My yeah. grandfather on my mom's side was a guitar player and really loved like country music and like the Grand Ole Opry. Oh, cool. But by the time I was like around and born, he had already suffered a stroke and was in a wheelchair, so I never like heard him play music or anything. Yeah, right. I still have his guitar, which is cool. Yeah, right. And then in elementary school, I started uh, playing cello. I just thought it would be cool to play the cello. Sure. Uh, and kept with that and slowly kind of started playing the guitar. And mm-hmm. I would say I probably got serious about music in and around the time that I actually met Zach. Yeah, right. Which was in high school because we started a, a band together. Yeah. Yeah, no uh, shit. Yeah, but, but it was always something that was in my life. Like, I, you know, I, I liked to collect records and CDs as a kid and always thought music was cool. Yeah. And then, yeah, kind of kind of got into it a little bit more once I started taking guitar lessons and was, you know, kind of like in my teens. And it just sort of snowballed. I studied it in university and then kind of started figuring out ways to kind of uh, pay the bills with music, whether it was like playing weddings or doing shitty bar gigs or teaching or whatever. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Zach, what about you? Uh, I mean, it started, I think it started early, but like not on purpose. Uh, my parents, when they didn't want to deal with me, they would stick me in the back room with, like, pots and pans. Yeah, right. Like, an actual... Because there's always, like, on drummer podcasts or whatever, yeah, there's, yeah. like, what's your pots and pans story? Yeah. And I'm, like, literally pots and pans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I, yeah, I, it's, like Steve, my family's not terribly musical. Uh, mm-hmm. We listen to a lot of music. Like, my dad loves, like, meatloaf and, like... Sure. Just, like, all the epic stuff. I mean, he wanted to do something creative when he was young, but it wasn't in the... In a Ukrainian family's mind, a noble profession to do something creative. So, they're like, why don't you be a businessman? So, I think he really encouraged me a lot. And my mom is also a, an entrepreneur, and that encouraged me a lot. And it's just like told me that it's possible. So, when I met Steve and we started a band, I knew that something was possible yeah. in music, and we should like explore that more. And yeah. then I just like tried to play in as many bands as possible sure, in yeah. high school and just make all the mistakes you need to make uh, to be <laughs> successful. So I haven't made all of them yet. Not yet. Uh, we have made a lot of them, though. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. A, <laughs> a lot of groundwork. A lot of groundwork yeah. to take in. So do you share the same uh, first ever live experience? Was this with the same band? Or uh, what yes. Did you Swansea Town Hall? Swansea Town. Yeah. Ooh, the, fuck. Our terrible ska band, Fresh Produce. Oh, yes. Uh, we, yeah, our first show. I love bad ska bands. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, you would, yeah. Yeah, so. we, I guess we put it on ourselves. Or, like, our parents, I guess, rented out, like, the yeah. town hall. <laughs> and, uh, oh, she's going away. That was my order. Yeah, we, uh, we just had, like, a, a show. Did we have other bands play, too? Or was it just us? No, it was, uh, So friends. much of it. Like, we, another ska band. Right. My God. So many of the details are foggy. Yeah, right. I guess before that, I would have had like recitals because I was in school playing. Yeah, like, I mean cello or whatever, but yeah, it's still yeah. kind of a different thing. Yeah, sure. I learned piano. Did terrible. Yeah. Did you hate yeah. piano lessons? Oh yeah, um, yeah. I, it was a struggle oh, to get man. me and my dad. I mean, he's paying for it, so of course you'd get mad at me yeah. for, <laughs> for fucking around. But yeah, totally. Yeah, I get it. So you guys, you guys are actually the first Canadians I've had on this podcast. Oh, yeah. So I kind of want to get like an idea of like the scene you guys kind of came up in. Like, um, whereabouts did you guys grow up? Like, especially in, like in relation to each other. Like, were you two like far off suburban or? No, we were like in the west, 
the west end of Toronto, and we all, we went to high school together. Okay. And we were lucky. It's kind of like dwindling at this point, but mm. in terms of music, we grew up with like an all ages scene that's very strong in Toronto, mm. and uh, that's very encouraging. Mm. And it shows again another thing that shows kids that it's possible to be a musician. And yeah, it was really important. For it. Yeah, and that was like a, one of the the seeds. So, hey, there was this venue called the called the Reverb. Okay, and it used to be, you know, I mean, when we were in high school and talking about bands that showed you that you could do it, that was right when the Flatliners were starting. Why? Well, yeah, and and like uh, Protest the Hero were playing sure. in in those venues in Toronto a lot, and you know, Alexis on Fire was coming up around that time too. Like. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of stuff that, in terms of like our music and our aesthetic, kind of showed that there was a place for punk and heavy music, and you know, it was a lot easier to go. Like, you could go to a show, you could open a local show every Sunday. They were have always was a Sunday matinee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and it just like now it's like a condo and like a furniture store, and I just oh, can't even man. like. So yeah, we were we were lucky. Yeah, Nestor was around. Yeah. Too. Uh, Stefan grew up in a different part of the city, but they all kind of, you know, it all, all kind of comes together. Yeah, yeah, it becomes. He was going to that venue too, and playing and listening to those bands and playing in those same scenes. When you know, when you're that young and you're playing in bands, I don't think there were like many scenes no. like, like there can be in a city like Toronto now. Mm. Tell us about the bands that you guys were playing in, like before Pop started. Like, what kind of shit were you doing? Like, was it most? Was it mostly just like the usual high school like? Blink one eighty two, like real big fish sort of um, like the the one the one ska band was kinda like kinda ska, kinda punk and kind of none of those I don't know. Yeah, we were trying to lean into the heavier stuff more. Oh sure, yeah. Uh, but we there was still ska because I mean we're we're stupid. So <laughs> we, and it's fun to play it is fun to play ska. It's just like carefree. Of course it is. It's a very carefree music. Shout out to previous guests of the show, Jeff Rosenstein, <laughs> Max Stone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, lot of scars. Max is making a record, apparently. Yeah. At, Chris Bosma's fault. Yeah, Bos- Bosma's Shout out to Bosma. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but you were in a bunch of different bands, like, yeah, in your early 20s, too. Yeah. Um, I did, like, a lot of classic rock and all that kind of stuff. Was... Were you playing drums in all these bands? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, drums and singing. Mm. Were you ever lead vocalist in any of them? Or? No, never. Because oh. I had that going on, because, like... There were three people in my band, and like I was a drummer, we had a guitarist and a bassist. Neither of them wanted to sing, so it was like a draw the short straw man. So I was like, fuck it, I guess I'll go then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's hard too. It's like oh. singing and running at the same time. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> that's like the, that's why the Anderson Pack record is so fucking crazy. Oh yeah, he's unreal. He's crazy. He's fucking yeah. Um, absolutely, he's a wizard. <laughs> and I, I kind of got into like I guess when I was in like school. Late teens, early twenties. I was playing with like singer songwriters and doing like jazz stuff, but always kind of like like tasteful lead guitar stuff. Trying, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if anything I do is tasteful necessarily. <laughs> You're trying your best. Mm. <laughs> um, I think that the thing with the four of us is that we've all sort of just been at it for so goddamn long. Yeah. That like Zach was saying, we've like made a lot of the mistakes you need to make. Yeah, we've just sort of been at it for a while. And, and seen a bunch of different things, and it's cool. So when does the first pop show happen? When, where, etc.? In Toronto? Yeah, mm-hmm. Silver Dollar. Bovine? No. Bovine? Oh yeah, Bovine. It was Bovine. Just like a Bovine shitty... Sex Club. 
you say a sex club? Yeah. <laughs> it's just a name. It's just like a 180 cap, like, Tiny. trashy bar Tiny. that's been around in Toronto for 20 or 30 years. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. Still gone? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Who was that with? I don't know. Grounders. Mm-hmm. A band from Toronto called Grounders. They're still around. Yeah. Was that with Dirty Nil? No. I think it might have been with a band called Wildlife. Mm. Right. Yeah. I don't know. We played... Because we'd played under a previous name, too, which was sort of a different band. Oh, okay. Even though there were a couple of songs that um, kind of made the transition. What's the but, first you know, band called? Called Topanga. Called Topanga? Yeah. It was yeah, Topanga. Um, like Boy Meets World, I guess. But, but like, Stefan would play acoustic guitar and some of that. Oh, and okay. Like, so it was like, there was a piano player for a while, and Trump, like, anyway, we, what was that, maybe four years ago? Yeah. Four or five years ago, something like that? Yeah. Hector. Yeah. So how long after that did you kind of start touring? Because that's obviously been like a big part of what's kind of cultivated the the interest around the band. Well, we were doing, we were touring like since we started by like weekend tours, mm. like days here and there. Yeah, because you, yeah, yeah. you can do like six hours of driving and kind of hit three or four cities in, in, in Ontario. Canada. Yeah, in, in, Just in Ontario, yeah, yeah. shit. Mm-hmm. So what were your kind of hotspots, what were your go-tos? Like Guelph. I mean, there's all these like awesome towns around. Mm-hmm. With scenes of their own, and, and then like university towns. So, you know, yeah. There's towns like there's a town called Guelph, and there's a town called London. Obviously, not the same one. Yeah, yeah. Um, we would often there's do a Sydney in Canada. As there well. is, yeah, Nova yeah. Scotia. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. We would do, and then the capital, like the national capital, is pretty close. Okay. Called Ottawa. Oh yes. So we would drive. You know, it's like four hours to Ottawa, and then another mm-hmm. two to Montreal. So that yeah. would be one we would do a lot, and we just kind of. Ate shit and like slept on people's floors and played nice. to no one and got drunk and mm. yeah. did it over and over and over again and slowly a few more people started coming to shows and people yeah, we, started to gain I guess started to notice I don't know it's been kind of a slog yeah yeah well, at what point did you get out of the country uh, it took a while our first out of country gig was with slaves in the UK I guess or we played in the states the U- before like that. the UK slaves yeah yeah because yeah. there's an American one as well yeah sure. we played in the states like a handful of times but it was always like super weird. Yeah, right. Just because, like, we would play with a Canadian band and... And the Canadians would turn happen, up? Right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so it, that took a while. I guess we would have done a U.S. tour just before that U.K. tour with Solids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're a great band. Okay, cool. Um, and then, yeah, and then uh, the U.K. shows were kind of the first time where people started taking notice. There was... Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. So what was that tour like? Like, what kind of places were you playing? Bars and, like... Yeah, it was all bars. It was all, like, divey joints. Yeah. Shitholes. Yeah. Where um, no people who don't care about music can come and not react to things. <laughs> Funnily enough, though, there are people who, like, come to see us now in the UK, and we've, the shows are a little bit better, obviously. Yeah. We've been there five times, so you'd hope. Yeah, that's unreal. Um, who were, saw us on that tour. So it's kind of cool to see, like... I guess we have been able to sort of feel the progression. I think that's more. I think that's why we like Australia so much because like in the amount like in almost double the amount of tours. I mean we've we've reached like a progression in Australia and in the UK that are pretty on par. Yeah. Um, but we did it in Australia in half the time, and <laughs> it's just like because Australia is such a receptive, warm. Place and we have so many awesome friends and there's so many good bands here yeah, yeah. that it just like it just worked so much better yeah, for some totally. reason so I like I mean aside from the natural beauty the weather the people like we 
the success just came like success I mean in quotations came faster um, and it just like is way more comfortable here Australia is so weird to me too because I think like Canada there's a bit of the like colonial like attitude where you kind of want to push back yeah yeah (laughs) but and then when you see someone who recognizes that like it's like looking into a mirror like I feel Mm, like with mm. a lot of Australians we kind of we suffer from a lot of the same like uh, there are social issues but but also um, on a positive side like th- there are so many similarities about like people loving it's like why there are so many Australians working in Whistler in yeah, BC, yeah right? right like like th- there's something about this like relation to nat- natural beauty and, and a large country and the need for sort of communities to kind of support themselves and yeah. scenes to support themselves I don't know it feels I didn't think I was going to feel as comfortable here as I do. Mm. And that's cool. It, it seems like that has helped people kind of connect. Totally. Yeah. I guess one of the other things that kind of people have been drawn to is that, you know, there's such a fucking honesty to the fact that you guys are out there for hundreds and hundreds of shows yep. every year. You know, like when people saw the Dark Days video or heard If This Tour Doesn't Kill You for the first time, it's just like, oh, fuck, you know, it's not all this, you know, like, rock star glamour that we've been led to believe through, you yeah. know, various other music videos and, you know, like, Life on the Road yeah. and all yeah. these, like, behind-the-scenes articles and shit like that. You're just like, oh, no, mostly it's just, you know, sleeping in basements and wanting to fucking strangle people. Yeah, I mean, like, we can't complain because we chose this, but it does yeah. get to a point where it's irritating where that perception is kind of... It's just like you're on vacation for. Yeah, yeah. It's like no, this is like you're. That's a very reductive statement. Like we're like we're slogging and it's miserable Mm. and we're not going to complain because we chose it, but it's it's work. Like it's yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think one of the things I like to do. I don't know about Zach or the other guys, but I really do like to kind of demystify that whole thing. Yeah, like I think I think people should realize that this is like a, a career path and a choice but also you know glamorizing the whole like touring musician lifestyle is part of why we lost Amy Winehouse and part of the reason why you know a lot of musicians struggle with addiction problems and, yeah, and, and totally. that sort of thing I think is it's important to kind of combat that stereotype that this like expectant attitude that Musicians on the road would be fucked up all the time. Yeah, because yeah, I don't totally. think I don't think that's true. I think I mean, not, they're no more or less fucked up than the average person working an office job. Totally, they, yeah. they just it just manifests. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's yeah, they have an access to substances and a lot of boredom, so that's the difference. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's obviously these things kind of take their toll. I know you guys have been pretty open about, you know, like uh, the effect it's had, you know, not only physically, like with, with Stefan's vocal problems, but, you know, you've been pretty open about, I guess, like the, the mental health impact that, you know, yeah. touring can have on, on you guys. Like, yeah. uh, is, it, is it important to kind of have that dialogue, especially when you've got, you know, so many people out there that will hear those stories and, you know, maybe feel like, Oh, you know, like I've been through something like that as well. It kind of, I don't know, make you make you feel like that there is other people out there going through the exact same thing. Yeah, I mean, I think a, a mental health dialogue is part important regardless of your profession, and it's yeah. I mean, that's uh, normalizing that uh, aspect of life 
will ultimately help people yeah. that way and like in the way you're describing yeah I think that's very important and we do have a dialogue in the well we don't really have a dialogue in the band it's just like we have an awareness yeah and it's like trying to accommodate that that specter basically and like yeah. how it kind of looms over everything sometimes and I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, the thing about us being in such close quarters for so many days of the year, yeah. there's sort of like a, an implicit understanding yeah. that, you know, sometimes people just need space. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. not everyone is going to feel 100% or great every yeah. hour of the day. And that's cool. Like, that doesn't mean they're mad at you. No, sure. Or they're going to quit the band or anything. It's just like, that. that's how you recognize mental health and, and are able to kind of create space for it to be dealt with in some way. Yeah. yeah. If Jack or I are feeling bad and, and you know, the other one notices, you can it can simply be enough to be like, hey, how are you doing? Or to just not say anything. And if they want to just hang out and read a book or, you know, take that alone time, you, yeah. you need yeah. to figure out ways to cope. Or not yes. cope, but, but strategies to, I guess, you know, maintain your sanity as much po- as, yeah. as possible. There's a group strategy and there's also an individual strategy. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah it's important to have both, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, kind of, you're at this point where, as you mentioned, kind of in this 100-date tour, you know, and the album's done really well, you know, with the Polaris nomination and everything, which is yeah. crazy. Yeah, like, yeah um, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, uh, is is this kind of, are you at the point now where you've just realized that, has it kind of clicked, that this is going to be live from now on, you know, just kind of the right record tour cycle and, you know, getting out to as many different places as you can? Uh, I don't know. I don't know, like, I think, I feel think, like, like... I don't know, do you think there's a longevity to it? I don't know if there's a longevity. I think you create the longevity and I don't think it's... I, I feel like I'm of the opinion that if you're comfortable with it, you're probably doing something wrong. Uh, right, yeah. So it's like, you have to, like... There, there, yeah. It's just like you have to keep slogging. There's no surety ever, so you yeah. need to like manufacture that surety. Yeah, like in a way, my favorite shows are always the ones where they're the crowd doesn't really know us, and we're forced to win them over, or we're, we don't play to that many people because it still does happen every once in a while. Yeah, sure. Because I feel like that's the way you kind of learn. Yeah, like Zach said, you like any way you can be thrown out of your comfort zone. I think is really, really important because I think it helps you do good creative work yeah, yeah. so there's there's uh, always like a an element of not really getting used to anything yeah. yeah because you never know when it could change both for the better or for the worse true yeah and I think that's also awesome for uh, creativity yeah, yeah just like when you're sure. thrown you're forced to improvise that's like yeah. that's a very good skill to have yeah. and to exercise <laughs> You definitely need that on your resume, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, so uh, we'll wrap it up here, but before we do that, I ask this of all of my guests, and now, Puppet, it's your turn. I want to know about the best and worst shows that you've ever played. Ever played? Yes. Oh, wow. I'll take the easy one. Here we go. We can think together about the bad one. Uh, my my favorite, I don't know if it's necessarily the best that we played, but mm. my favorite was when we played in Tasmania. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, that was amazing. Yeah, Party at the Paddock. Oh, cool, yeah. And uh, it's just like... I mean, this, I've said this many times, but it just, uh, back to the natural beauty of Australia and Tasmania, just being able to be in a farm field surrounded by nature and looking at the sun as it sets mm. and playing to people 
that are like willing to receive and it's just like such a that like encapsulates all of the magic of playing a show it's just like you go to a new place you meet new people and people are there to watch you and you have fun and it's just like literally magical and that's yeah. probably my favorite that Tasmanian show we did with it was on this mystery tour yeah 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 Steve? Hmm. Uh, uh, the most recent Toronto show we played was a pretty big one for me. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, album release sold out at a venue that I'd seen countless, countless, excuse me, bands at. Yeah, right. Growing up uh, at the Phoenix in Toronto, that was pretty cool. Yeah, a big that? It was like eleven hundred. Yeah, nice. Which is our yeah biggest show to date, like headlining. Yeah, I don't know. I still get excited to play anywhere. Totally. Yeah. New. Yeah. yeah. Copenhagen was cool. Yeah, Copenhagen I mean, was yeah. awesome. Yeah, as far as bad ones, cool. What was the one you were thinking of? Or, or you just mean we have to put our heads together here? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. I mean, there are bad ones. Like, it really depends, I guess, on what you mean by bad. Because, like, there's, like, I've had so many gigs where I'm just like, I was a garbage human for this whole gig. <laughs> and played, and played like, shit. Because yeah. I was, like, too drunk or just distracted. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that doesn't happen as much now. It does happen still. But yeah. I think part of the professionalism is knowing how to deal with that. In terms of, like, actual bad gigs... We put that one in Phoenix is we made the best of it. Yeah, I think it was weird. I think that was a a triumph of human spirit. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, but we yeah, actually I've yeah. So that one we were playing with a band Solids as we mentioned before, and it was like our first tour there, first tour in the states, and nobody was there. It was this giant venue. There was like four people at the venue, and so we it was brutal. Mm. Um, So for Solids set, they were headlining. We just got everybody on stage, and they set up sideways, and it just was like cramped, and we all just watched them while on stage, and it was it made it so much better. It was just like it was super cool. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, my personally, my least favorite was, uh, which may be controversial, but our Ooh. last uh, fest set. Oh, okay. Which was a nightmare for me. I just had like a <laughs> a panic attack on stage. Jeez. Uh, but it was like. It was because I took a weed pill the night before, and it it hadn't activated until like halfway through sleeping. Classic so I woke up and I was like out of control, like high. So that messed up my entire day and month and the following year. So that's <laughs> that was its own thing. Um, and another personal one. It was not in this band, but Nestor and I used to play in like a cabaret rock band oh. that did like. A, it was years ago. Our first UK tour was with another band, in fact. Oh, okay. Um, and we we did, like, the Pride Circuit. We played Trafalgar Square, which is insane. Yeah. Like, that, we played to, like, 15,000 people in Trafalgar Square, what? which it wasn't the band's fans. It was just, yeah. like, a giant crowd. Cause it, was it was Pride. Like the, the Pride Party. It was Pride. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. It's, so lots of people there. But we played this terrible bar where the audience was around the corner from the stage. <laughs> it's just like, like there was a, the stage on one side, then a wall, and then where on the other side of the wall was where the audience would be. And it was just the weirdest, most awkward, like for a first UK show, it was just so stupid. Yeah. But, I mean, it was an experience, so. Oh, dude. You know. yeah, I guess so. I can think of two now that you mention it. Now okay. You it up. One was on our first ever Canadian tour. Right. Uh, I haven't thought about this in a while. Yeah. It just came up to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were on the east coast of Canada in Prince Edward Island. Mm. Right. That was rotten. Yeah, that was pretty um, And we showed up to the venue, and 
weren't on the poster, and or we were on the poster, but the promoter hadn't listed. Well, basically, our, our like, set set time. Our set time was slated to be before doors opened. Yeah, so we played before the doors on the poster were open. Oh God, right. Yeah, okay. So that was pointless, uh, thoroughly. So pointless. we ate them out of house. We ate like hundreds of dollars worth of seafood <laughs> uh, as like a fuck you. Uh, but yeah, that one was really bad because yeah. it was like. And then uh, another another bad one that I can remember was our first time playing in Manchester, which is really funny given now Manchester is awesome. Yeah, um, and we have a lot of really really great friends there. Yeah. Um, but the first time we played in Manchester was at this venue called the Soup Kitchen. It was okay. on tour with Slaves, and uh, uh, we just were having a rough day. I think we were feeling jet lag and not not in a good spot. And I guess I broke a string. We're generally not confident. And, you know, the, the tuning... It was just one of those bad days, right? Yeah, and, just one of those days. And it was the first time, yeah, first time we ever got heckled. Yeah. Oh. And I, and I think there was just some very, very drunk lady at the back of the bar who said, who yelled, get off the... St- I'll never forget this. Yelled, get off the stage. <laughs> Put and the next puts, band. put the next band on. That's such a specific insult. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. I, yeah, uh, so and it was like, and there was the thing is, is that it had happened as I'd broken a string, so there's nothing I could do, right? Like I had, there was silent. We couldn't like go right into another song because yeah, so I'm like going lingered. across the stage to get a guitar, and the insult lingered. Yeah, so oh, it's this, this, this is horrible, heavy silence. Uh, that is brutal. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> that sucked. And uh, if that lady, also another person who, if they're listening, they can go fuck themselves. Go <laughs> fuck yourself. <laughs> the but, album is The Dream Is Over. Uh, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, guys. It is genuinely one of my favorite records of this year. I've, thank I've, you. I absolutely love it. And I'm, I've been was so stoked to finally get to hear a bunch of those songs uh, on Sunday. And I'm very, very excited to see them again in action tonight. Awesome. Steve? Zach, thank you so, so much. Thank, thank you very much. As ever, Jim Jones, and all my friends. This has been a David James Young Rights production. For more information, visit davidjamesyoung.com.